Morning. Merry Christmas. Looks like we don't have the echoes anymore. It's wonderful. It's good to see uh, many old friends coming back, college students. And some new friends here. Uh, so make sure we greet each other after the service. What a privilege that we, be, we can be included in your kingdom. May you bless my words today. May you speak through me. May my message be uplifting and edifying to everyone who hears it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, All right. So, uh, Mark, we're into a new book, the Gospel of Mark. Um, before we... Uh, uh, delve into uh, the, the first three verses. Let's see what's special about uh, the book. Um, the reason why I picked this book because, uh, first of all, it's the shortest one among all four Gospels. And I think it's important uh, as uh, we have new youths coming in this year. Uh, uh, I really think we should focus on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I think that's critical, that's essential element uh, uh, of our faith. And what better way than to study one of the Gospels? Mark is believed to be the first written Gospel uh, among the four. And uh, if you look at Matthew and look at their large similarities, and scholars generally believe they took the same material from Mark, but then they made modifications for their own theological purposes. It was written, it's believed to be written around AD 70, uh, around the destruction of the temple, even right before it or right after it, uh, because the book in chapter 13 mentioned this coming destruction. And um, the, okay, the audience is believed to be Greek-speaking, Hellenistic Jews or even uh, uh, Gentiles, uh, because all the Aramaic uh, phrases in the book have been translated into Greek, and all the difficult Jewish customs uh, were, uh, uh, have been explained in the book. So uh, uh, people believe that Mark intentionally to make the book, the gospel, more readable to uh, uh, Greek-speaking people. The gospel is a genre, I mean, now it's a useless genre, but the gospel itself means good news. But Mark was the first one who write this uh, good news. And, and soon Matthew, Luke, and John follow the suit. And it becomes a new, it becomes a new literary style, uh, very different from all the other literature. Uh, it's actually not a history book, it's gospel. And gospel is a presentation, it's the testimony of the lie of Jesus. 
So a lot of times these gospel writers uh, don't pay attention to historical details. They don't pay so much attention on the sequence, the right sequences. So sometimes you see the sequence may not be in the right order. That's not what they care. They want to present the life of Jesus. They don't want to talk about the incidents, the teachings, the, the, the death, the resurrection, the passion, and the miracles. They want to present these things to you. They are not so keen about presenting the history. It's not, a, it's not a, a, your calendar. They are not trying to present a calendar or a log or a journal to you. That's not what they are writing. They're writing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's kind of like when we make testimonies that we don't sometimes give all the details, like oh, what time this happened and what time this happened and this happened after that. Sometimes we can even got it wrong for our own stories. But that's not our point. When we tell people the story of Jesus, we want to tell people what Jesus has done for me, what he means to me. And that's what the gospel writers mean, uh, what, what they meant when they wrote the books. All right, so gospel is a, has become a special genre, uh, a special literary style for the story of Jesus. And for Mark, Jesus is only to be understood in his death and resurrection. Throughout the book of Mark, you find out disciples are always confused. They are always confused. They never understood until after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Even after they found out the resurrection, they were still appalled, puzzled, astonished, didn't know what to respond. They totally did not expect it. They did not see this coming. They did not see the death coming. They did not see the resurrection coming, despite that Jesus had said that to them three times. For whatever reason, their heart is hardened. It's, it's blinded from that, that prophecy. It's blinded from that revelation until the death and resurrection. And the death and resurrection was so dramatic and traumatic. It, be, it became so significant in their life. Their life changed. They became different people because the Jesus event. They, be, they, be, they, they came to see that this Jesus of Nazareth is different from all the other Jesus. By the way, Jesus was a very common name in that, at that time in Palestine. Just like today, some uh, Latinos, they had Jesus as a name, Jesus, I guess. But this Jesus of Nazareth is different. And they only saw that after they experienced, after they personally witnessed the death and resurrection. So everything about Jesus, should be interpreted according to his death and resurrection. And Mark will lead us through that. All right, so that's the book of Mark. The first verse, the beginning of this gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All right, the beginning. We're going to look at each word here. Is, uh, we have to clarify each term. The beginning. Okay, in, uh, in Greek, uh, and you might, uh, there's a, there may be a theological implica implication behind this, because that's the first word in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. With the arrival of Jesus Christ, it's another beginning. It's the new beginning. It's the new creation. I think Mark wanted to imply that, the beginning. The beginning of the creation, now with Jesus, the beginning of salvation, redemption, and resurrection. The second chance for every one of us. 
Okay, the beginning of the gospel. What is the gospel? In the original context, the original meaning is not a genre. We now in modern days we take this word as a literary style, but no, it actually means good news, good tidings, Evangelion. And from this word, we derive the words like evangelist, evangelicals, and we are called evangelicals. Why are we called evangelical Christians? Because we believe this good news and we want to share this good news, and that's why we are called evangelical Christians. The Evangelians is, all, is, a, is a Greek term often used by Greek people. Of course, they don't use on Jesus, they use on Caesar. It's everything about the emperor, the, 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 uh, the birth of the, uh, August, uh, Augustus, the, the, the ascension to the throne. All these are the good news for the Greek people, and they are always in plural terms, because they can refer to multiple events of the emperor. But for Christian faith, for Mark, Evangelion is always singular. The single event, the single person of Jesus Christ. Jesus alone and nothing else and no one else is the good news for us. Now, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus. Why is Jesus? Jesus in Greek. In, in, in Chinese, we say Yesu uh, or Yaso, right? Jesus, that is the Greek word. And that's the Greek translation for the Hebrew word, Joshua, Yehoshua, which means Yahweh saves, the Lord saves. The Lord delivers. God is salvation. And other Gospels, you know, Mark and Luke, they, they spend more uh, uh, paragraphs explaining the name of Jesus. But what I, uh, Mark is very short on this, but fair to say Jesus is a very common name in Palestine. He was, only, he was not the only Jesus here, but he was a unique Jesus. He was the Jesus of Nazareth. And Mark is going to tell us why this Jesus is so unique. Now we have to worship him. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is Christ? Christ means the anointed, Christos. It's the Greek word for the Hebrew term Messiah, Mashiach, the anointed one. And the reference is from Psalm chapter 2, the second Psalm, also known as the royal Psalm. Why do the nations rage and the people's part in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against He's anointed. He originally referred to a Davidic king, someone in the line of David. And Jesus indeed is someone in the line of David. And he is the promised king. He is the king that's going to fulfill all prophecies in the Hebrew Bible. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's important. That's his title. That's who he is. Mark can spend the next 16 chapters telling us why Jesus is the Son of God. The reference again is from the second psalm. The Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Again, he was referring to David, uh, David the king, one of the king of David's line, but Jesus is the fulfillment of, of that promise. And second Samuel 7, God said to David, through the prophet Nathan, and he said this promise, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Again, Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. Now, next two verses, as it is written, now Mark is using evidence from the scripture. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Right, so 
You see, the prophet Isaiah is mentioned here, but actually the quotation here has three uh, uh, references. And so, but Isaiah is, is the last reference, but Mark used use the Isaiah to kind of summarize all the prophets uh, quoted here. The first one, Behold, I send my messenger is from Exodus. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way. Angel, actually, that word means messenger, the messenger of God. And this context originally was to uh, uh, refer to God saying to Joshua, as he, and, as he leads people in a way into the uh, promised land, God will send an angel. And, and Mark took this verse and said, this is the, the verse that will also refer to the messenger before the Lord, before Jesus. Uh, who is actually John the Baptist. And that is going to come up in, uh, in the next few verses, which we will not talk about today. And next Sunday, Elder Dean will talk about uh, those verses and John the Baptist. Okay, so that's the first, first quotation. Second quotation is from Malachi 3.1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Um, this originally refers to uh, the temple, right? Malachi uh, was predicting uh, the second temple, uh, the, the, the final temple, sorry, the second temple, and, and the Lord will suddenly appear in his temple, and someone will come before him to announce his arrival, and there's a messenger. And people believe Malachi was talking about Elijah, right? Elijah, according to the scripture, never died. So people believe he'll come again before the Lord. And we know this Elijah in the book of, in, in the four gospels, referred to John the Baptist, right? Jesus, I think, said in uh, the gospel of Luke, that it, uh, John Baptist is coming, he comes in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's the Elijah that people believe that Malachi was referring to. Okay, the third quotation is Isaiah. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So uh, Mark quoted this because he said, now the context, the location is not a temple. That, verse, that prophecy from Malachi is partially fulfilled, but another prophecy is also fulfilled, is from Isaiah, and the location is wilderness. In the wilderness, there's a voice, and we all know that voice refers to John the Baptist, who will be mentioned in, in the next verse. But John the Baptist is the messenger that will prepare the way of the Lord. Now, in all these three quotations from the Old Testament, the Lord refers to God. But Mark is saying, not God, it's Jesus. So Jesus is the Son of God. He, in very nature, is God himself. God's coming, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the good news we're hearing. That's why we're gathering here, celebrating his birth. God with us. We are not abandoned. We're not left alone. A messenger is coming before Jesus, that's John the Baptist. And he's there to announce the good news. And Dean will, will dig in uh, deeper next week about a message from John. Okay, so um, a couple of uh, key words we have to uh, 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 understand. Voice again refers to a voice of messenger, and that's John Baptist in this context. Wilderness, why wilderness? Why did John have to live in wilderness? In Sunday school, I think. Some of us discuss about it. What's special about wilderness? Do you remember your discussion? Wilderness has a special meaning to the Israelites. That's their first stop after Egypt. After they were delivered out of Egypt from the slavery, their first stop is wilderness. 
Wilderness is there where they experience God's deliverance. They experience God's providence. Wilderness to us is like barren places, place of no water. To Israel, that's where they meet God. That's where that signifies the promise, the protection, and the providence. In fact, that's a place that signifies, that symbolizes the presence of God. And in this wilderness, there's a voice announcing the arrival of the Lord, the beginning of salvation. Now, three way mentioned twi twice and paths mentioned once, they all refer to the same thing, the path. I, I think I said this when I preached to you on Malachi, but I'll say it again. For ancient kings to come out, someone has to prepare the way. Kind of like today, right? When Biden's out, you have to prepare where he is going, right? You make sure the security is secured. You have to make sure he's staying in the right place. If I, you have to make sure everything is cleared up for him. And that's what this messenger is doing for the king, for the Lord, the king of kings. Let's make sure the way is prepared. It's interesting. It's like a reversal of what God did in the wilderness. God prepared the way for his people in the wilderness. Here, the message is prepare a way for God to come to the wilderness of human life, of human beings, so that pe people there in darkness can receive this salvation. We'll come back to this way again later. So what are the three principles we can learn today from this passage? First one, Jesus is the good news. It's the gospel. It's the good news. Singular, not plural. In fact, if you look at the news, you look at everything happening around us, something happened to me this week, not so good, you know? And I was like, why, 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 why did it happen, Lord? Maybe God, I figured maybe Jesus want me to preach the only good news. He didn't want me to preach any other good news. He wanted me to preach the only good news. The only good news I have in my life is Jesus, who has become my savior. The good news is I have the faith. I, I, I was given that faith. I used that faith to believe, to take him as my savior. Jesus is the good news, the only good news in our life. Many things in our life are not dependable. Your schools, your jobs, your health, your relationship, sadly, sometimes even your loved ones, they cannot be there forever. They don't go on forever. They are not the everlasting. The only thing that's secure, stable, never changing, is Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the only good news. Jesus is the beginning of a new life. It's a new beginning. It's a new chapter in our life. It's the second chance. I don't know how you lived before. I know how I lived before, before I came to Christ. For the many of you, you, you grew up in Christian families, so you don't feel that dramatic change. Good for you. I'm happy for you. You didn't have to go through troubles like people like me went through. I spent 29 years not knowing Jesus. And when I look back at those 29 years, how foolish. I kept telling my girls, no, don't repeat that. How foolish. 
wasted so many times on so many unworthy things. And they didn't know that. Many and I were got married in 2004. We had weddings here, but we also had banquets in Taipei and Hong Kong because our parents were there. So I had my, we had our banquet in Taipei. I went back, got some of my old friends coming to my banquet, and uh, we had the talk, right? Uh, before the wedding or after the wedding, I don't quite remember, we had a gathering, right? All these uh, close friends of mine, we, we gathered together and realized how different I talked before. Because I haven't seen them for, for some years. And during those some years, I, I was transformed. I, would, I, I came to a revival in my faith. I started attending church. I started talking like church people. I started imitating my pastor, my Lord. And when I sat down with them, I realized they and I would talk very differently. And I used to talk that way. What is that old way? Swearing words almost in every sentence. Maybe I have some bad friends. But that's kind of friend, not the kind of friends I had before. I was talking that way. I couldn't believe. And some of my friends, they, you know, they met me on social media, and they, you know, they met me after so many years, and they noticed the change. I mean, it's not a good comment to me, but they say, oh, Jeremy, I didn't know you, you can love. Oh, gosh, I heard that. I, okay, well, that's what you say to an old friend? Okay. But I realized that's how they thought of me in those school years. I wasn't a loving person. I didn't love them at all before. Jesus is the new beginning. Knowing Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. I hope he's the same good news to you. And I hope if you have not received and believed, this good news, today will be your beginning. And today can be the beginning for you, I hope. It's wonderful. If you choose to believe and start walking with him, you'll see how wonderful he is. You'll see how beautiful he is. And how much he loves you. And he knows everything. And he cares about everything. He's always faithful. He never leaves you. Never abandons you. Even in your worst moment, he's there. Prepare the way for Jesus. That's the last principle. Prepare the way. This is the original quotation from myself. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall be become level and the rough places a plain. See all the uneven, rough, unsmooth places in our heart shall be smoothened, shall be straightened up for the Lord, to prepare him. As sinful human beings, we have many, many hidden, crooked stuff in our hearts. And Jesus knew all about that. So the first thing for the arrival of Jesus Christ is the arrival of John the Baptist. And what did he do? Dean will talk more next week to lead people to repentance, to turn. Repentance meaning, means turn. We say that many times. It means turn around, 
Turn around to who? Turn around to God. To align ourselves with God. To start seeing things in God's perspective. To get ourselves out of ourselves. Jesus is the ultimate other being in our life. Now, the, to accept Jesus, meaning accept another being in your life and allow him to take control. And that's very difficult. But why to do it? The only way to live is to die first. To die to ourselves and to accept this other being, the, eternal, the being of eternal life, so that we can truly live. Repentance is to get rid of our old habits, our old ways of thinking, our old ideologies, if I may speak that way. Accept the new perspective. Accept this new way, the good way, the smooth way, the righteous way that God has prepared for us in the wilderness. God has prepared a way for us, and we have to prepare a way for God too. Where? In our heart. How to do that? Repent. Turn. Start to think, what would God say about this? What would Jesus think about this? What does Jesus say? Oftentimes we'll come into difficulties. We'll receive comments from people. We'll read something, we'll hear something. That's oftentimes how God talks to us. And we feel challenged. And sometimes we feel challenges and contradicted or affronted by circumstances. That could also be the way God talks to us. And we have to think, we have to turn, and to think, well, is my way really the right way? Is really my way really the only way? Especially when things don't go the way we want it. That's when we should start thinking, maybe God has a better way. Maybe God has a better plan. Maybe I should see things in God's perspective. Maybe I should start seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Before all these things I'm, before all these thing, things I'm asking for can be given to me. Align with God. Return to God. Make a way for Him. Let us pray. Jesus Christ, we thank you for being the good news for us. We still have challenges, we still have, uh, I think all of us, we, we still have these inborn rebellions against you. Sometimes we just want to listen to you. We don't listen to any authority, we don't want to take notes. But he asked us to repent. He sent John the Baptist to tell us to repent and prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. To receive this salvation, Lord, we have to get our heart ready. So may you take away the uneven, unsmooth, rough places in our hearts. May you ready our hearts. May our hearts be found blameless before you. May we have that innocence and dedication to you, to follow you, to love you, because we believe that you're faithful to us and you love us, and you have given yourself for us. You have died for us, and we shall join you in your resurrection. And that's the best hope we can have in this fallen world. We thank you for that security. Thank you for the promise. But may you fulfill that promise right now. May that eternal life start right now, today. It's not something vague, 
far out in your future, but something evident, present, and clear today that we can live on, that we can walk on, that we can believe on. Thank you, Lord. In your Son, Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Um, we'll pray for offering, and then we'll um, respond in our closing song. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray uh, for your provisions. I pray for those um, who are still having a, a job and in this really tough economy. So Lord, I pray uh, for those who are able and willing that you will use the, the gift and tithing to bless this church and those in need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. <clears throat> Hug the herald angels Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Okay, now it's time for church matters. Oh, yes, there's a Christmas potluck after today's service. 
Please stay and eat. Huh? Um, I do know. That's why I was a little late because I was bringing the food. So yes, please, please stay. There's a lot. Um, and this is the first potluck uh, since COVID. So exciting times. Okay. There's a rabbit. Oh, it's Chinese New Year, um, January twenty first, and we will oh have our first potluck of twenty twenty three. On Saturday, January 21st, I think you, there should be a way to sign up, right, Dean? Yeah, we'll More details to come. Yes. Um, there's. Yes, yes. Say goodbye to the tiger. Um, there, we have fellowship. Um, on those times and day, if you're interested, please come. There's young adults and couples and youth and kids and all that stuff. Good thing, yeah. Yes, no Sunday school, no prayer until January 8th. Um, please remember that because I forgot and showed up for prayer meeting on Wednesday. So yes, please remember that. We won't be here if you come to Sunday school prayer meeting until January 8th. So yeah. Okay, uh, we're done. Please arise for benediction. May God bless your abundancy. May God fill your life with good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. And many other good news because of the good news of Jesus Christ. May God fill you with love. Love each other, especially in this holiday season. May God bless you all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.